Happy Friday, Story Fam. I'm so excited I can hardly contain myself today. As uh, some of you may know, tonight is Outdoor Trivia Night on the huge patio of our new Timber Grove campus at 8200 Washington Avenue in the Heights. It's all in support of Houston Welcomes Refugees. And hey, if you know me at all, you know how much I love coming up with fun trivia categories and tricky trick questions. (laughs) So I've been on cloud nine this week. I've been obsessed with these questions and categories. So if you haven't registered yet, there's still time to do that. Be sure to go to the story.church slash trivia. You can either come with a team of old friends or you can show up and we'll place you on a team of new friends. It's going to be a really good time for a truly great cause. And so I can't wait to see you tonight at our Timber Grove campus. We'll start at 6.30, and it's all outdoors and, and socially distanced. It's going to be great. Now, another reason that I'm giddy this week is because we're just a few days away from the official release date of my new book, Scripture and the Skeptic. I poured my heart and my soul into this book, and I'm so excited to finally be able to share it with you and with the world. So you can pre-order right now on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, Cokesbury, Target, or wherever you buy your books But I would love to send you a personalized signed copy with free shipping. So just hop over to my website, erichuffman.org slash store. Again, that's erichuffman.org slash store. You can place your order there and uh, we'll have it to you even faster than Amazon. Even if you're a Prime member, we'll give you the same deal. Free shipping, fast shipping, and a personalized copy of Scripture and the Skeptic. So thank you so much, Story Fam, for all your love and all your support for this new book. I'm praying that God will use it to bring even more people into a loving and trusting relationship with him through the word, through the Bible. Now, as a reminder, beginning next week, all of our groups at the story are going to be working their way through the eight chapters of Scripture and the Skeptic. And I'm going to be preaching on the controversial questions that I tackled in the book over the next eight Sundays, starting February 7th. For that reason, I hope that you'll go ahead and get your copy as soon as possible so you don't fall behind the rest of the church and maybe your small group as we dig deeper into the book um, over the next couple of months. So in that vein, and one last time, I promise, just one more time, today's Friday reflection is going to be an excerpt from the fifth chapter of Scripture and the Skeptic. I hope this reflection is a blessing to you today, and I hope that when you receive the book, you enjoy reading it. Here we go. In the New Testament, there is another story about a woman who, though all but forgotten by men, was remembered by God. These events took place in Capernaum, where, as Jesus and his entourage pulled their boats ashore, a swarm of people surrounded them, hoping to get close to Jesus. Among the crowd was a very important man named Jairus, who was one of the city's top religious officials. Jairus made his way through the mob to reach Jesus, and when he did, Mark 5, 23 and 24 say, He pleaded earnestly with Jesus, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So Jairus then led Jesus toward his home, while the disciples did their best to keep the growing crowds at bay. But Mark tells us that one person managed to slip through their human barricade. We don't know her name, we just know her story. And this is from Mark 5, 25 to 28. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 
She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. This woman fascinates me. After bleeding vaginally and uncontrollably for 12 years and spending her life savings on doctor bills, her condition only got worse. Sometimes while reading Bible stories, I stop and try to imagine what these people were really like. This woman was probably a young adult, probably in her 20s or 30s, and with pale skin and a frail gait due to her prolonged blood loss. Bible scholars have suggested that she was probably childless because of her reproductive condition, which raises the likelihood that she was unmarried or divorced because bearing children was a wife's primary responsibility in her context. Bleeding uncontrollably was an especially big deal in her ancient Hebrew culture because of the strict Old Testament laws prohibiting casual contact with bodily fluids. According to Leviticus 15, vaginal bleeding made a woman unclean, ceremonially speaking, and no man was allowed to go near a menstruating woman. It's safe to assume that for 12 long years, no one had touched this woman, and she was probably forced by local authorities to move out of her family's home and to live outside the city walls. So the day that she met Jesus, she had become a sick, penniless, hopeless, social outcast. Her life was a painful, lonely struggle. Her only hope was this construction worker turned rabbi that she'd heard so much about. So she threw a Hail Mary pass. She covered her sunken, anemic face and shoved her way through the crowd, getting close enough to touch his clothes. And then she was instantly healed. And I wonder what that was like. Can you imagine bleeding for so long that not bleeding felt new? It's a strange thought, right? Why did she touch Jesus' clothes at all, though? What she actually touched was a tassel. It's called a tzitzit, worn by devout Jews over their robes to signify their family or tribal identity. More than likely, Jesus' tzitzit identified him as a descendant of King David, which was a pretty big deal. And by law, no unclean person, like someone who'd been hemorrhaging for over a decade, was allowed to touch a man's tzitzit especially when that man is a healer who's on his way to save the life of a VIP's daughter, remember? Jesus felt it when she touched his seat seat. So he turned and asked his disciples who touched him. But they were so stressed out by the crowds that they got a little snarky with Jesus. Mark 5.31 says, You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? Modern translation, dude, look around. Who hasn't touched you? Keep moving. As Jesus scanned the crowd to find out who had touched him, he looked down at the ground and laid eyes on the poor woman, who was at once grateful and terrified. On the one hand, she felt amazing for the first time in 12 years, but on the other, she'd broken about 50 rules in the Bible just to get to Jesus. Biblically speaking, she was unclean, and so was everybody she touched in her condition. How many people do you think that she touched as she elbowed her way through the mob that day? Even more importantly, she made Jesus unclean, too, by touching his garment, which meant that he should not be allowed to go and heal Jairus' daughter now. 
As if that weren't enough guilt, she also touched the man's tzitzit, something that only immediate family members were allowed to do. Now, Jesus could have sentenced her to die for all of these sins. Her life was literally in his hands. Instead, Jesus and the woman shared one of the sweetest, most elegant exchanges in all of Scripture. Mark 5, 33 and 34 says, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. But she told Jesus the whole truth. I'm not completely sure what that means, but I'm guessing this woman wasn't just saying that she was sorry for being unclean and touching all those people. I think it means she told Jesus her story. Keep in mind, that was a noisy scene and a raucous crowd. So in order for Jesus to hear her story, he must have bent down close and gotten near to her. Can you see Jesus kneeling, listening as this terrified, ostracized woman told him everything she'd been through for the previous 12 years? By this point in the story, it's safe to assume that some people in the crowd had recognized her as the unclean, untouchable woman who lived outside of town. As word spread and tempers flared over this woman who had defiled Jesus by illegally touching him, he spoke. What was the first word Jesus said to her? Daughter. Daughter. This is the only time in all four Gospels that Jesus called anyone daughter. So why this woman? First, I think it was to absolve her of her guilt for touching him. You remember who was allowed to touch a man's tzitzit? Immediate family only. By calling this woman his daughter, Jesus was telling her accusers to back off. Second, Jesus called her daughter to assure her that even though she'd been through hell on earth, her heavenly father saw her. And third, Jesus referred to this woman as his daughter to adopt her. So he absolved her, he assured her, and then he adopted her. That is what Jesus came to do for her and for all of us, because that is who God is. And throughout all of Scripture, that is what God does. That's all for today. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope to see you tonight for Trivia Night. If not tonight, I hope to see you Sunday in person at River Oaks or Timber Grove. Or if you can't make it in person, join us online at the Story Online campus. I love you all. We'll see you soon.